How early in the process should you start negotiating? I'm beginning to learn that the answer is as late in the process as possible. There are many things to negotiate in today's job market, and the time to start doing that depends almost wholly on your relationship that you're going to build with your future line manager. Don't negotiate with HR. The HR process is designed to find red flags and eliminate them, whereas the relationship you build with your line manager will always be more nuanced. Let's discuss HR screening calls and I'll share my worst performance in an interview process with you. This is pretty embarrassing, so tune in for this one. My name is Catherine Ann Byam and I'm your host. What's your purpose and how does it integrate with sustaining life itself? For some of us, this question is a deep ache that we spend a lifetime trying to find, perhaps shifting direction as we learn and grow from one path to another. For many of us, our children give us a clear definition. Providing for them becomes our reason for being. For others, it's about enjoying the present moment, ever so fleeting and ever so beautiful. For still others, it can be financial, status, contribution or impact. In this podcast, my guest and I will share with you tips, ideas and methods on how to build a career that integrates with who you are and the life you want to lead. We will explore the social foundation on which to build your transition and an ecological ceiling above which we need not climb so that we live not just for ourselves, but for our collective ability to thrive. Welcome to the Purpose Driven Career Podcast, Do What Matters. My Career Journal, Part 6. There are many things to negotiate in today's job market. Not every role will have the flexibility to be creative in the way you serve, or the way your service is delivered, in fact, nor how it will be paid for. But where this is possible, a lot is changing in pockets around the economy that's making it an important process to consider before making a shift. How flexible can we be? Let's take the location. Remote work, hybrid work, office-based. Some companies are 100% remote with a loose requirement to show up once a month. Many are hybrid, expecting two or three days per week in the office. And some companies still are 100% about being in the office, whether or not it's adding value. French-based companies are among the latter camp. And I had an interesting encounter with this recently, but more on this a bit later. The other huge area for negotiation is in the package. Most jobs that are not at board level, for example, have a fixed range with an agreed level of bonuses. The only thing that's left for you to negotiate is where you will fall on that range. Others, you can negotiate sign-on bonuses, fixed versus variable elements, more time off, or you name it, you can come up with the criteria that you want to negotiate. Yet going big on your negotiations up front needs to be carefully evaluated and realistically done when you have absolutely nothing to lose. More complicated than either of these is the actual days of week that you work and how you'd like to structure your week. How willing are companies to accept that you come with a side gig or other voluntary social project, for example? So far in my experience, companies aren't that willing to accommodate such side gigs, even though they exist in their working force today. Are you allowed to be a non-executive director or an executive director in another company? How does this work with the standards of business conduct? How are you allowed to generate any income from a side gig 
And do people actually declare their side hustles to the organization? What about part-time or fractional work? Or what if the engagement can actually be contract-based and not full-time employment? When it comes to neurodiversity, there's another challenge. Offices with cubicles, distractions, noise, and a burning need for a no-meeting zone. When I started my own business, I implemented clear days during the week where I don't allow others to book a meeting with me. I may choose strategically to still have a couple of meetings on these days, but they are off-brand days, which usually means that they're there to help me rather than me helping someone else. Are we allowed no meeting days in your big corporation? As you start going down the list, things begin to get pretty uncomfortable for the HR person sitting on the other side of the conversation, and you'd probably be out before you even got in. Here's what I experienced. At my very first interview of the five I received over this period of job hunting, I was eliminated by the first HR process. I wasn't expecting that, but there were probably a few contributing factors, not least of which was some of the interest I had around flexible work. I was contacted by HR at a hotel chain about a sustainability project manager role that I'd applied for. The screening conversation started really well until we got to the last HR question and then my questions. He asked me why I left my previous employer after 20 years to start my own business. I told him I had a burnout and made a decision to change the focus of my life and work toward more impact-focused ventures. A look of concern flashed across his eyes and eventually it settled firmly on his face. I could see burnout was a red flag in his recruitment process. It led me to the thought process. If a company only wants to hire people who don't admit to burnouts, they're probably in denial about the state of the mental health of their existing staff. This was a red flag for me too. I want to address burnout for a brief minute. It happens primarily when there are more expectations than we can realistically meet, and we haven't established appropriate boundaries at the start, which have led to not having any at the end. I don't enjoy feeling burnt out, but similarly, it was useful. I now have information and experience that I didn't previously have to help me move forward. Before I go forward, I want to say this to all job seekers. Don't be afraid of the red flags. They work the same for you as they do for the company that's seeking to hire you. They give actionable information for both parties to make a professional choice that works for them and for you. The second moment of interest, and I think the key moment of my decision-making, was when the interviewer opened the door for me to ask questions. My main line of questioning was around flexibility, whether I can work remotely or whether or not I could have a day in the week to pursue personal sustainability projects, compensating for that time on the other working days or on weekends. It was essentially asking for a four-day work week with similar hours. I was promised an update from this recruiting manager that never came. When I reached out two weeks later, I was informed that the role cannot be an 80% FTE. Yet never at any point of the process did I ask to be an 80% FTE. My inquiry was simply to know what was possible and what wasn't. At the time of asking, I was gauging their willingness to be flexible, not demanding it. The response, however, was enough to quell any questions I still had. This organization was not nearly as progressive as I would like, and it would be a mistake in my view to me working with them. It was clear that in the eyes of both me and the organization, we would not be a good match for each other. 
What lingers in my mind, however, is whether or not meeting my prospective line manager first would not have been a better decision and made a difference in how that experience was for me. It depends both on the company and the line manager to some degree, the flexibility that will be allowed, because much flexibility may be happening unknown to HR in some organizations. It's generally not a good look for a progressive HR function though. Having worked from home most of my time as an entrepreneur, hiring freelancers whose activities I don't supervise, who also work from home, I think large organizations have something to learn from the fringes. Freelancers take pride in their work and in their endorsements by their networks. They don't need to work to time schedule. They don't need to be seen. The most you need is a timely update on the progress, the frequency of which depends on the nature of the contract. So consider this. If organizations cannot trust their people to deliver, they've likely hired the wrong people. Either HR, the line manager, or the employees are at fault, or their people are overworked, or their processes and systems to facilitate collaborative working are ineffective. But the truth is, HR still has the same processes for hiring people, so they keep hiring the wrong people. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. From the outside looking in, I couldn't say whether this is the case for this particular organization, but something was definitely incoherent with Modern Trends. On next Friday's edition of my career journal, we'll explore my recruitment experiences and interactions with a big tech firm from Silicon Valley prior to the big layoffs. Stay with me for my journey and for more insights. See you next week. This episode was brought to you today by the Courageous Career Club. Have you picked up your own copy of Do What Matters, the Purpose Driven Career Transition Guidebook? To find out how you can get your copy, as well as resources that go alongside it, visit my website, www.catherineannbyam.com, or engage with me on the socials. I'm looking forward to hearing from you.